Welcome, birders. This is Ed Pullen, your host on the Bird Bander Podcast, where birders talk birding. Well, it's good to have a guest again this episode. I'm uh, really pleased to be kind of back in the saddle after traveling to Florida and Costa Rica and taking a few weeks off from recording new episodes. And as I said, it's always fun to have a guest on the show. But before I get to that, this is the spring season. Spring season around here is bird migration and birding, birding, and more birding. And one of the rites of passage of spring for me almost every year is to do a birdathon for my local Tahoma Audubon Society. Each year I go out and try to find as many species as I can in some way or other and try to get people to contribute to that. So if anybody wants to check out my birdathon this year, I'm doing an e-bike birdathon. I got myself an e-bike for Christmas and I'm starting to learn to ride it and get around town a little bit. So this year, instead of driving all over all over the place, racing from here to there, finding as many species as I can, I'm going to have hopefully a fairly relaxed day e-biking around the Tacoma area and seeing how many birds I can find. I have to take a little break midday. The only day I can really break free in, in this time slot uh, this year is the day after Marion's cataract surgery. Uh, so she's having her cataract surgery on the 2nd, and I have to take a little break to take her to a follow-up appointment on the 3rd. But the rest of the day on the 3rd, I'm going to be getting around Tacoma, seeing how many birds I can find on my e-bike. I should be able to get to Dune Peninsula, Point Defiance Park, University of Puget Sound campus, uh, the Ruston Waterway, who knows what else. I'll, I'll figure it all out. Uh, but I'll write a report on the fundraising site, and in the podcast notes, I'll put a link to the to the Tom Audubon fundraising page for, for my birdathon effort if anybody wants to contribute. Give it a shot. You might like it. Uh, I, I have fun doing it every year. But back to this episode, I have Bryony Angel as my guest. Bryony is a Seattle area birder and a writer. She is a second generation birder. Her parents were both birders and she uh, kind of caught the bug from them as a kid uh, and continues to be a birder. All writing about birds is really her main interface with birding right now. She's a very accomplished writer. You can check out her website, brineyangel.com, uh, and see a lot of the different things. We talk about them on the episodes. I won't talk more about that. But she really uh, focuses a lot on women and birding, and it was really fun to talk to her about that. So I think you'll enjoy the Bird Banner Podcast number 152 with Bryony Angel. Bryony, welcome to the Bird Banner Podcast. Thanks for doing this with me. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I'm excited. Uh, always good to talk to another Washington birder. You're from the Skagit area, it sounds like? Well, I live here now. I was born and raised in Seattle, and I moved up to the Skagit uh, about three and a half years ago. Uh, and But I've been coming here my whole life, so it's um, it's familiar turf for me, and I'm, I'm really happy to now call it home. So you live with the, the snow geese and uh, and raptors in the winter. I, I mostly bird the Skagit in the winter. It's, boy, it's a cool place. Yeah, well, we're starting to get... Uh, spring migrants now mm -hmm. too and I have a yard bird list in my my little my little apartment here um, I'm at the edge of farmland so I have a protected view it's Headland Farms they're a, a, a farm family that has put a lot of their farmland into conservation easement and they work with um, Skagitonians to preserve farmland and so there's a protected view and lots of birds coming through that's nice. That's very nice. Uh, I, I read a little bit on your website. Uh, your website's just your name.com. Uh, I read a little bit about you on your website. It sounds like you're a second generation birder. What did your parents do right? How did they uh, how did they raise a concert? Two conservationist birders raise a conservationist birder. That's that's not easy and, and not that common. 
Well, uh, I'm a twin. I'm a twin sister, and we grew up um, birding with our parents. Probably when we were in utero, um, they they did an annual um, winter bird trip to the Skagit, and either New Year's Day or New Year's Eve. And ever since I could remember, ever since I had memories to speak of, uh, I, I I have the Skagit and in winter and. Uh, I would say the biggest difference of my memories then was because uh, this would have been back in the '70s. Was that the the we did a lot of bird watching up the Skagit River, so mm -hmm. towards uh, Marble Mount, because the the salmon runs were so much stronger back then. And right. I, I remember seeing spawning salmon. I mean, that were half dead still struggling up the river. I mean, just dead salmon would be coating the shores, the, you know, the, the edges of the riverbank and it just, you could literally walk over um, salmon carcasses mm -hmm. uh, in those, you know, those months. And now that's unheard of. Uh, I think, in fact, they even canceled the, the Eagle Festival because the Eagles don't hang out up river anymore. They, they hang out down here in the valley. So. Yeah. Salmon runs are fun. You know, I, I think some of my children's uh, strongest memories of uh, of winter and I grew up in Puyallup. I didn't grow I, My kids grew up in Puyallup, Washington, a little town outside of Tacoma. And we one winter, we took a, just a winter hike, you know, anything to get the kids out of the house in the winter. They were maybe maybe four and five years old or something like that. And we uh, took a hike at uh, at a little park in Puyallup and we came to a I didn't know where we were going. I'd never been there. We came to this little creek, uh, Clark's Creek. It was in those days, there was no bridge across it. So you walked, hop, hop, rock hopped across this little creek. And she, uh, Jean, my daughter said, daddy, daddy, the water's splashing me. We looked down and there are just chum salmon just by the gazillions, just swimming right between our feet. It was the coolest thing. So really, uh, salmon runs are amazing. Yeah, this was, yeah, these were dramatic. I mean, and the fish were, they were like out of a horror movie because they were half dead. And mm -hmm. and it was definitely death throes uh, along the river. Mm -hmm. and, uh, yeah, it was pretty dramatic. Yeah, yeah. The the different life cycles for different species. Salmon, they come, make their babies, and that's the end of their life cycle. So that's the way it works. And it's good for the eagles because they... Uh, Feeds the food chain, very cool. Uh, so you grew up with your with your parents as birders, and you used to go to the Skagit regularly. Uh, yeah. Did you bird a lot as a young child? Other than that, um, well, yeah, we would we would uh, do, do road trips, and we'd bird on the road trips um, as as par for the course. I mean, often it was to go visit friends in our mm -hmm. our community. And my my dad is a, is an artist for nature, and most of his subject is mostly birds, and so we would be visiting a lot of um, his friends who were also uh, bird artists. So oh. and birds and art and bird is like birding is lifestyle and, you know, appreciation of, of what surrounds you, you know, both literally and figuratively um, was part of my upbringing. And um, so I've always, I've always associated with birds, um, but I didn't start birding seriously as a, as a person in the world on my own until my late twenties. Okay. Uh, yeah. And it sounds like you have uh, really carved out a niche as a writer and I think also an illustrator. It sounds like you've done some, some illustrate bird illustration. Uh, what, no. What, no, 
No, I'm not an illustrator. Um, my dad's an artist. Uh, he does. Oh, illustrate. okay. No, I'm, I'm, I don't, I don't draw birds. I have okay. illustrated in the past, but not birds. Okay, cool. Uh, so what is your day job and how do you find time to be a writer and advocate for conservation and women and birding and women in nature and all sorts of things in addition? Uh, well, uh, yeah, so I work I work remotely for a healthcare company and yeah, that's my day job. And uh, I started writing uh, about 10 years ago when my son was three. And um, initially it was writing about how to get your kids into birding. And, um, but I quickly outgrew the parenting, um, uh, the parenting vertical, and I didn't want to get pigeonholed there. And I, I recognized a vacuum of content within birding media and mainstream media about birding culture, not so much the birds, but the people and uh, sort of the, the, the life choices that birders make um, mm -hmm. that are interesting. And I think, you know, make a good story. And so I attempted to fill that vacuum and I got lucky. I am uh, an inveterate networker and I, I ask for warm handoffs and I introduce myself. And I'm the other capacity I have is that I, I deliver on what I say I'm going to do. So those have been um, the reason that I've had as many bylines as I do um, that I people recognize that, yeah, she's writing about something that we could use in birding media and and she's you know she delivers content that doesn't need a lot of editing and that readers respond to so it, it was just it was it was all those factors and I you know when you get that kind of response within the first three years of trying something it kind of makes you want to keep going you think hey I'm you know people are responding I should keep this up so that's what I've done and I I just love it it's it's a, a I've created a huge community, mostly national, nationally. Um, I'm not as involved locally, although I'm trying to change that um, with bird conservation, or at least sort of within the bird, birding media, it's more, my, my involvement is more national. Um, certainly in-person volunteering is local. Mm -hmm. um, but uh, to answer your question as to how I find the time, I'm, well, I'm just, I just can't not do it. I just, I just, I get up early. I'm most productive early in the morning and I'm, I'm a morning person. And so I get up ahead of my kids and write or network or um, do research, that sort of thing. And, um, you know, because it's not my full-time job, I'm not compelled to always be doing it. I don't have the, the pressure of certainly not being a reporter. I don't do news. I don't do reporting. So my lead times are pretty long, um, which is a luxury. And, uh, and I, you know, I just pace myself. I, I probably have about six or seven stories a year, and most of them are are pretty researched with original original sources, mostly people, just from you know, just sources that I've collected over the years of just laying down a good foundation of of people throughout the community of birders. Nice. Uh, and uh, how did you become a competent writer? Is that just something you learned through your basic education or did you specifically seek out writing education experience? Um, yes and no. Um, I, I've always written. I, I was a, I still am a letter writer. So uh, I know how to tell a story in a, in a conversational way. And I'm, I'm, 
I've been writing letters since I could write, um, just because that earlier uh, mention of traveling around with my parents and meeting their friends, we would befriend their friends because they were really cool people. And so we would have, my sister and I would have these pen pals who were adults and were interested in us as kids. And, and so we, we learned early on, both my sister and I, but I guess me to a greater extent, just because I took it to the next level, um, how to articulate the passage of time, something interesting, you know, how to pick a, a, an interesting kernel from what might be happening and, and spin it in such a way that, that someone wants to keep reading. And so that was just something I learned, you know, and in addition to being a voracious reader, and I, I'm mostly a reader of nonfiction, so journalism and narrative nonfiction and long form. And so it's a combination of, of getting started early, reading, good writing. And then um, when I went to university, I studied history. So I, I got to the point where I could do expository essays in my sleep. And, you know, extracting myself from that more academic style of writing, it, it took a little work initially. I, I think my writing was a little clunky when I first got started writing for popular media. Um, but I quickly, there's a formula to what you see now. Most of what I write is online. Um, you know, it's, it's between a thousand and two thousand words, and it has to be scannable because people have short attention spans and they're mostly reading on a computer. And so I write for that audience. I write for an audience who, you know, might be in a hurry, but is interested in learning something new. And and I write for what I want to read and how, you know, the, the sort of language that I'm expecting someone to use when they're expressing this kind of idea or uh, purpose. So, you know, I write how-to stuff, I write features, I write interviews. I don't really write, I don't write personal essays so much. That's usually, the content I write is about other people and what they're doing. Yeah. Cool. Uh, I uh, I got a chance to look at some of your writing uh, or links to your writing on your website. And it sounds like at least your recent focus, I, I'm not sure if that's fair to say, so a good amount of your focus is about, around women and birding. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, women, bird women only bird trips, uh, you know, some, some female bird guides, uh, that type of stuff. Uh, that's, that's a niche, uh, obviously. And uh, one that uh, needs promotion. I, I think, uh, I think a lot of us would agree and birding for better or for worse has a reputation as being, you know, male dominated or oh, dominated might not be the right word. It might be the right word. I'm not sure. Uh, but at least being more men than women involved and especially in leadership positions, guides, and, and that sort of thing. Uh, that seems to be coming around. Uh, I think especially during the pandemic, but in the last few years, for whatever reason, uh, a lot of women have gotten into birding. And I, I often, when I go on bird walks or whatever, there's at least as many women as men, probably more on a lot of these, uh, a lot of these events. I'm not sure if that's because women are attracted to group events more than men are, or there's a lot more women birding or why, but, uh, tell me what your, your observations have been in terms of women in leadership roles and women, uh, in, you know, the mainstream of, uh, of birding and how that's evolved since you were, you know, getting into it. Yeah. So uh, when I started paying attention, you know, on the professional level, just because of, you know, being wanting to write about it, there was uh, this this uh, group getting started called um, Feminist Bird Club, which by name, you know, is, is sort of a, a implies women in birding. Um, but it is it's a more uh, inclusive group that it, it, it encompasses all genders and they have that in their their specific 
um, impact statement, or I, I forget the, the proper term, but um, they're very much urban-based. They have chapters all over the country and sister chapters throughout the world, mostly based in cities. And they have done, in my opinion, more than your traditional birding organizations to really popularize birding among younger people. So I'm, I'm talking about millennials and, and younger. So I'm Generation X. I'm I'm between I'm between your sort of your older stereotypical birder and then this younger generation that's that's coming up and is much more urban based and um, rejects kind of the, the norms of of hierarchical ornithology and and you know authority led bird walks and I mean this sort of the the elitism that has has really I think tainted birding um and I, I welcome that I think they're a really exciting um group and I have lots of friends who are in their leadership and I I, I support what they do and I noticed, I, so to that end, I've noticed that traditional birding organizations have also noticed this group and has started to respond in kind, um, whether or not it's to go the progressive route or to to decide they, you know, want to hold true to their name as it's, you know, always been with like National Audubon and uh but just the, the the conversations that have been going in in birding lately, uh, having to do with bird names for birds, um, and then you know this, the the growth of urban birding among younger people. I, I my observation is that that has been mostly led by women. Those I mean I could be wrong about the bird names for birds piece, but I do know of one woman you know who's who's pretty prominent in that group. Um, I'm not as familiar with their leadership because it's, you know, you can't follow everything. And, um, you know, someone who I try to write about a broad range of topics and I, I, I don't want to follow my sword for, for everything that I you know, happen to believe. So, you know, publicly anyway. So, sure. yeah, sure. Uh, so it's uh, certainly, uh, I, I think you've, you would agree is a, a growing, there's some momentum for women in birding, I think, at this point in time. Maybe it's not a tidal wave, but there's certainly some momentum, which is really exciting. I think that especially young people uh, of all, uh, you know, men, women, all sorts of people uh, are uh, getting into birding in a lot of ways. Uh, and you wrote an article, real, uh, I don't know how recently it was, uh, on being a solo girl birder, I think was the yeah. title, title of your article. What, what sort of uh, things did you... Uh, what advice did you have for women in birding in that article, or do you well, have? That, that article I wrote seven years ago um, when I was birding by myself, and it was it mainly had to do about my feelings of personal safety, um, safe you know from other people, not nature, obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's something that women women we think about this constantly. We think about it when we walk out our door is our personal safety and. I started asking my male birder friends, you know, how do, what do you do about personal safety when you're out by yourself? And they, it just never dawns on them. I'm like, oh, well, I don't know. Should I worry about someone stealing my binoculars? No, and it's like, no, physical assault or, you know, getting jumped or, you know, and it just, it, it's not something that men have to think about. And, um, and so I was mad that this hadn't been stated publicly, at least mm -hmm. not 
I could find. So I thought I'd say something. And that was my my effort. And I ended up self-publishing it on my blog. Um, but Audubon. <laughs> you didn't find a big, you didn't find an audience. <laughs> you, you, no, you didn't get a taker for, for it in a, in a big publication or anything. Well, you know, I didn't, I don't think I actually pitched it. I just thought, you know what, I just need to say this and I'm going to say okay. it. So I did. And, and Audubon actually linked to it in one of their articles. Nice. So it did get some some traction. And since then, other women have written about it, have written about that topic. They have. I I, uh, I had a, a guest on, uh, Tiffany Kirsten. I know you don't like big ears, but she did a big year a couple of years ago uh, and talked about safety and being in nature alone as a woman woman, and, and things like that. Uh, she she had some uh, not details. I think she was I think she might have been raped in nature at one point in time. She had some fears to overcome and and it was uh it was pretty interesting talking to her about those topics. I I think, you know, and I as a an adult white male have you know, all of the advantages uh when it comes to that, you know, people of color, uh you know, women, young people all have to have a lot more rightfully uh safety concerns than maybe I do and and it, it's good that those sort of things are brought up. I, I have a group of, uh, of birding friends. We have a birding club here in Tacoma and uh, a, a group of older women. Uh, I'm I'm not that young and they're older women to me. Uh, just really, really crave uh, myself and a couple of other friends of mine uh, leading birding trips because they just feel much more comfortable uh, w with at least one adult male in the group. Uh, when they go out alone, they just, they just feel less vulnerable. Uh, and I can, uh, those are real feelings. I mean, those, they're not uh, unfounded. Yeah. It would be nice to live in a world where we didn't have to manage for that. And, and certainly I, I've organized um, birding walks that are all women and I don't, I don't feel the need to have a male chaperone when I go birding, if I have a, the company of another woman. Yeah. Um, and, I, I think that's everybody has their own sense of what, yeah. how they feel secure. Yeah. And, and I think to, you know, certainly for my, my friends who are women of color, um, they have even more concern for their personal safety, especially in, in rural areas where we go birding. And so that's something I'm always, I'm conscious of, especially if I'm, if I've invited them, I make yeah. sure that I make, I make the situation as, that I'm conscious of, of how they might feel in a, in a space. And, you know, I can never know, I don't occupy their shoes, but um, I would never invite someone and not um, try to imagine what it's like to be them, and and then do my best to make them feel comfortable. It so. it is it is hard to put yourself in another person's shoes. I mean, it's important to try to do, but hard to do, especially when you don't have personal experiences that guide you. One of the uh, sections on your website is a bird's guide to birding. Uh, I, I I read in your first sentence of your article there that uh, you take off, you kind of embrace the the British slang birds for females. And what do you talk about in, in that section? Well, lately it's become, it's become the place where I just, I share the bylines that I publish. Um, historically it's been, it was a blog initially, but my, my website is now mostly my professional resume, to be honest. And um, because I'm, I now write for money and I don't, I don't have time to write a blog anymore, but I, I have a mailing list and I, the bird's guide to birding is where I, I post my most recent publication 
If, yeah, the, here's here's what I've published. Um, here's a quick summary of it, and I send that off to my email my email list. Excuse me. Um, and it's um, it's it's mainly just sort of a quick summary of you know people can can hop there and say oh this is what she's done lately and you know versus going over to the um, all stories archive which is also another place another you option. can read stories that I've written yeah nice yeah that I I had never heard that uh, that term birds for women. And uh, my my friend and I got invited, got given passes to the U.S. Open uh, at when it was played here in Tacoma, and the practice round. So Ken and I went on, we went to watch the practice round. And I don't know anything about golfing, but it was a pretty day, nice day. And we're walking around. We had our bins on. We're kind of checking out the birds while we the the flying birds uh, while we were going. And some British fella comes up to us and says, "What are you looking at?" And I said, oh, "We're we're just checking out the birds." Uh, and he looked at us and he said perverts walked away and i'm like God. took us a minute to figure out what's he talking about and then we, we had a, a good laugh about that <laughs> well it's you know there's you know there's some some um i mean there's i've been questioned about my use of uh so i've got a column for bird watchers digest called bird like a girl mm-hmm. and i also had right uh from the perspective of a of a mother who, who my birding is for me, not my children, and they're not interested. And I, I want to be a birder in, in, in addition to being a mother. Um, mm-hmm. And they are, they are, I can hold one in one hand and the other in the other. And sadly, they don't, they don't mesh most of the time. So I have this phrase called bird like a mother, which, you know, it's just taking a, a stab at, you know, if you add another word to mother, you know where I'm going. Yeah, got it. So I, I'm a big fan of reclaiming language as as an empowering tool and some people don't don't like that i say bird like a girl but i'm like hey i'm i identify as female i my experience of birding is unique to being a female and this is this is my uh, experience of being female and a birder so this is that's how i'm gonna label it you know yeah. you don't have to like it i know i don't speak for all women birders and i, no. I don't aspire to so um, but yeah, definitely. I mean, to to address what you're what you're um, observing, yes, I, I take words that 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 have historically been applied to to women and not always complimentary terms or in sort of you know infantilizing terms like bird. You know, oh, isn't she a cute bird? Um, and and spin it to to sure. You know what? Yes, I am. And look at me. Here's what I'm doing. <laughs> I I think. Being a part of the uh, group that is labeled uh, gives you some license to use that. I think that uh, if a if a uh, a male writer used that uh, same language, it would be less well accepted, and and that's rightful. That's just the way it is. Rightfully so, probably. Uh, mm-hmm. Anyway, I I had a guest, Holly Merker, on recently. Holly is uh, she ha- is a leader in a network called Mindful Birding. And talks a lot about uh, birding as therapy uh, and a way to heal yourself and and find ways to better health through uh, nature. And I saw that that you had an article about mindful birding or a link to mindful birding or something on your website. What's your experience with that whole movement? Well, um, I'm not a mindful birder, um, and that that story was kind of spun from um, by the, the folks who commissioned it. 
Oh, and okay. I, I, I delivered what, you know, was my story and it, it had, it had elements of, of, you know, slower paced birding and, and stopping and smelling the roses and enjoying the group that you're with. Cause it was a, it was a story about an all women's birding tailgate. And um, it definitely was not a, it was not a fast paced competitive, you know, list checking kind of a bird day. And, um, and it was written long enough ago that it preceded the mindful birding movement. Okay. Uh, it, well, the preceding, it preceded the mindful birding network which Holly started. Right. It, it, the, the story, my story came out before her, her book um, that she co-wrote. And she is definitely, she's the authority. I have no claim to that. And it was not me that labeled the article that way. And, and I, so I, I applaud everything she does and, 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 and her colleagues that are part of that. And I, I don't claim to be um, any authority on mindful birding. <laughs> Well, good for you. Uh, I uh, I have to say, after talking with her, I have I have taken times to try to slow down, and uh, it's been good for me. Uh, so I uh, I'm I'm that was one of the good things that's come out of doing this podcast is talking to Holly and and kind of helping me to think differently about uh, some parts of my life. But anyway, uh, what what are you doing for birding now? Are you getting out much, or are you uh, just uh, super busy as? Uh, parent and writer and everything else well um i i'm a, a birding by you know happen chance kind of a birder i have i do get out as much as i can i live in a birding hot spot in the skagit valley and it's uh it just you can't not bird here it's you just go out your door and there you see a raven or a peregrine falcon or uh, you know waterfowl flying over and and then the, the warblers are starting to come in and um I, it's, there's access to all these public walks and, you know, different birds and all these different ecosystems throughout the valley. And uh, I, I make a point to bird wherever I am. Um, I haven't done a purposeful birding trip for a while. I, I organized a bird walk with my daughter, who's a kindergartner and some of her friends and their parents. And, and we can we did an e-bird list for that. And then I'm also, I'm planning a, a trip to Uruguay for my, I've got a milestone birthday coming up with my twin sister and we're gonna go bird in uruguay and as it happens we're gonna hire a female guide um she owns a company there and a bird guiding company Mm -hmm. and uh and we're going with our mother so it's gonna be all women oh wow and florencia the 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 owner of this company she's also the driver and so it's uh you know very much in tune with with my my mo um that's that's a coincidence um but uh you know when you have friends in the business it's easy to just hire them and absolutely most of my friends in the business are women so cool um, yeah so that's that's kind of the big birding trip i've got that's that is a big birding trip i the first time i ever hired a a guide for birding uh, i was going my daughter uh, lives in latin america and she was living at the the mystical yoga farm <laughs> in in Guatemala, uh, and uh, I was going to visit her. And I thought, well, I'm going to Guatemala, and I had never birded Central America at all. Uh, but I I uh, so I should go a little early and hire a guide and go birding. And I hired uh, Claudia Avendano, uh, who is uh, she and her husband or partner. I'm not sure. 
anyway, she and her partner uh, have a birding company in uh, in Colombia, and she is one of the top uh, Colombia birders. And she and I went for six days birding in in Colombia, Guatemala. What am I talking about? Guatemala, uh, one of the top birders in Guatemala, and uh, we went around, and it was a just fabulous trip. I was just so pleased. Uh, it was really, she was so good and just fun to be around. It was terrific. I've probably since then hired four or five other guides for different parts of the world. I think she's the, she remains the only woman I've hired. It's not, uh, I think you almost have to try. <laughs> tell me, tell me again her name. Claudia Avandano. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I know of another, another Guatemalan guide. Um, and uh, uh, her name escapes me at the moment, but um, I included her her quotes in a story I wrote for Birding Magazine, the ABA's oh. member magazine about all women birding trips. And she was co-leading a trip in Guatemala. Oh, nice! With an nice. American, uh, an American a woman bird guide. Mm -hmm. um, Very cool. Yeah, well, well, there were two of a do you know a dozen folks that I who I talked to. So, I I am I regret that I can't remember their names. Um, I mean, it's. Well, yes. we will we will figure it out, and I will put it in the little blog post I put up associated with each article. How does that sound? That's uh, perfect. <laughs> we'll, we'll get that name in there somehow. Good. <laughs> uh, do you have a writing project that you're working on right now? Yeah, I have um, several pitches out, and um, they're not commissioned yet, but mm -hmm. uh, and I've got stuff that's been filed that's going to be published. Um, but yeah, I'm always working on on something, and it's you know more lately it's been uh, birding travel since travel is resumed. So mm -hmm. regional travel, and and you know writing more generally. Uh, so both from you know as as a as a way to encourage readers if they're single, partnered parents. You know I try to include information that would that would um, apply to them. So I'm appealing to a much broader audience, not just birders, mm -hmm. um, but trying to engage people in birding. Um, so um, I had a story come out in the Seattle Times about uh, birding by boat in the Salish. I saw Street. that. I saw that. To lay the highlights of that out for us. What, what, uh, what, give us some tips. Well, um, there aren't a lot of companies in, in Puget Sound, Salish Sea that, um, that do bird, boat-based birding tours. They're all mm -hmm. day trips. Um, and one of them um, does include some time on land, um, Vendovi Island, um, which is owned by the San Juan Preservation Trust. And mm -hmm. uh, so it's a combination birding by boat and birding on the island. Um, and the other two companies are strictly birding by boat and they mostly uh, go to observe the puffin colonies. Mm -hmm. And uh, whereas the birding by boat, the Vendovi Island one is 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 more focused around uh, the area near um, Cypress Island and um, Guamus. Um, and so that, yeah, those are uh, any getting on a boat is a different experience of birding because you you see birds um, from from their environment. Um, yeah. It's different than land based birding. For sure, and these boat trips in the Salish Sea are, are a little more um, sedate. They're not as as um, adventurous as a pelagic trip would be. I've not been on a pelagic trip, but I, I can I understand that those aren't for everybody. Some people have have real sensitivity to um, the swells that you'll experience on a yeah. pelagic trip, and 
So um, there are all different, you know, ranges of birding by boat from those those sure. trips, which are a real commitment. I mean, mm -hmm. real physical commitment to these more um, low key. Um, even some of them are only three hours. These uh, yeah. local, local trips here to where I live. Um, I, I have some friends who bird by kayak. So there's all mm -hmm. sorts of birding by boat. Yes. That's thing I'd, I'd really like to try is that human powered uh, birding by boat. It's much less disruptive to the birds. I mean, provided you keep a, a respectful mm -hmm. distance, but certainly it's the, the, it's not noisy. It's not, you're not creating a wake. It's uh, and you're, it's more solitary. Um, it is. Yeah. It is. That's something I'd really like to try. One of, one of my first, I started birding when I was uh, living with my wife in New York, where I was in the military, I was at West Point, uh, and you could rent all sorts of water vehicles at West Point if you're in the military. And I rented, my wife and I rented a canoe and paddled across the Hudson River, kind of waited till no big boats going by and paddled across as fast as you could because there's this great marsh across the river from, from West Point. And we're paddling around this marsh and just were mesmerized by the marsh runs. Uh, they were, you know, we're right in the cattail marsh and uh, there are just marsh runs just buzzing the canoe and going to the little, they make these little uh, round ball nests on the cattails. Uh, and I learned after that they make, you know, five or six nests of which only one do they use. The rest are like decoy nests and it's just super cool. I mean, I just, it was my first year of birding. And I was just like, oh my goodness, this is the coolest ever. Yeah. So we made it safely back across the river and turned in the canoe, but it was, that was a different birding by boat experience. Yeah. Well, that's definitely one that warrants another story. So it's, it's on my, it's on my list of ideas for sure. I just have to get more experience and yeah, in the water. And um, cause I certainly have, I have friends who kayak. They're not, they're not, Birders. I mean, maybe some of my birder friends kayak as well, but we just haven't had that conversation. So yeah, it's just you should, a, you should get a hold of Peter. Peter Hodum is a, a professor at UPS down here in Tacoma, and he is a, a big time biology researcher. Does all sorts of stuff. Works off the coast of Chile on some. Uh, endangered species stuff, but he is a big kayaker uh, and goes birding by kayak all the time. So he would be, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll get you his contact. He would be a person, if you want to experience birding by kayak, you should go get Peter to take you out and tell you all about it. That'd be an article in itself. No, that's a, that's a, that's a very kind offer. That's, I, and he's, I he is just enough. also about the nicest guy ever. So <laughs> yeah. thank yes. you. Good. Okay. Well, anyway, uh, Brianie, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. I really appreciate it. I try to, when I wrap up, uh, make sure people have uh, let let listeners how to how they can get a hold of them. If you need uh, someone to write a bird article or just want to get a hold of Brianie, what's the best way to get a hold of you? Well, my my website is just my name, and um, I'm I'm mainly my. I mean, it's I'm happy to have people read my stuff and. They want to comment. Um, I love feed. Well, it's not feedback at that point. It's just comments because uh, too late for feedback. It's already published. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Feedback. You get feedback and uh, use it to make the the next uh, next usually, article better. Well, I usually, you know, you'd be surprised the comments I get. I I think that, but you know, even when they're negative, you know, or or you know, not not complimentary. I mm -hmm. I I take seriously what people say because I I think you know there's. 
um, there's a spin on this that I didn't, I didn't think about, and this could, I could spin this into a different article. So thank that's, you. That's yeah. a great attitude. That's a great attitude. I have to say some of my, uh, I, I like to think I've gotten a little better at this over the three or four years I've doing it. And some of the things I've done have been directly related to very constructive criticism. So uh, having having the ability to accept constructive criticism is a very good trait to have. And it sounds like you have it and good for you. Good for you. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, Bryony, thanks for doing this with I really appreciate it. And uh, you take care. Thank you. You too. Well, that wraps up the Berbina podcast episode with Bryony Angel. I hope you enjoyed hearing Bryony's story and some of the things that uh, get her excited about birding. Uh, I really enjoy her writing. She's done some good stuff. And be sure to check out her website, bryonyangel.com, where you can find a way to get in touch with her and check out some of the writing she's done. Again, always fun to hear a new voice and get a new perspective. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget, think about supporting my birdathon. Check out the link in the podcast notes. Until next time, good birding, good day.